listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. What was Abraham Lincoln's middle name? Did he start the Civil War? Was he responsible for the income tax? Did Lincoln tell dirty jokes? What kind of lawyer was he? For the answers to these and hundreds of other questions about Abraham Lincoln, there's an authoritative news source out called, Did Lincoln Own Slaves? and other frequently asked questions about Abraham Lincoln. We'll hear from the author, me, on an all-Jerry show when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. Everyone faces conflict at home, at work, in the community, in the world. Fix Your Conflicts is a show about how to fix those conflicts with practical tips and techniques. Doug Knoll brings to the Internet airwaves the first of its kind, a show that teaches peaceful resolution to life's daily battles. That's Fix Your Conflicts with Doug Knoll, broadcasting live every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Studio A. Marissa, are you ready yet? I know you can hear me. You are not missing school again. Marissa! You trying to be a nobody or something? Let's go! All right then. Hit it. I know you can hear this. Hey guys, move closer. Hey, whatever it takes, don't let your friends drop out. A real friend can make all the difference. Cut that noise, yo! I'm coming! Took you long enough. Thanks for the help, guys. For more ways to help, go to OperationGraduation.com. A public service message from the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. World Talk Radio. Bringing the world to you. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you from my office in the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, on a relatively balmy January afternoon in 2008. Uh, The show being recorded here on January 18, 2008. Uh, If you're hearing this in the distant future, then the upcoming announcement of live events won't help much, but we'll go do it anyway. In just a moment, after first reminding you, of course, that the show, although it's coming to you from East Carolina University, home of the Pirates, does not actually represent the Pirate Nation or the Chancellor, the Provost, any of the other quaint names of academic leaders. Uh, It's just me and my opinions. Indeed, today, nobody else's opinions as I'll be talking about uh, some of my own work. Uh, for those who, who don't enjoy the, uh, the the blather at the beginning, uh, it's a full 60-minute blather program, so you may not may not want to listen to the rest. But for those who don't mind, uh, I actually do intend to say something, uh, hopefully of some interest, about some of the research uh, I've done, and, and we'll look forward.
forward to your reactions as always. The, uh, the topic of the show is uh, the book, Did Lincoln Own Slaves? and Other Frequently Asked Questions About Abraham Lincoln, uh, a book published in January 2008. If you're uh, listening to this live, uh, I hope you can drop by one of the following places and say hello in person. I would be delighted to meet you. Uh, January 26th at the Abraham Lincoln Bookshop in Chicago at noon Central Time. Uh, I'll be doing a virtual book signing there. And if you don't see it live, you can look at the archived version of the webcast of that event at the website of the Abraham Lincoln Bookshop. On Sunday, January 27th at Mitchell Books in Fort Wayne, Indiana at 7 o'clock, January 28th. Borders Books in Gross Point, Michigan, on Kirchival Avenue, 7 o'clock. January 29th, Shaman Drum Books in Ann Arbor, Michigan, also at 7 o'clock. And then January 30th, uh, on the way back to Greenville, I'll be stopping in Durham, North Carolina, at the Regulator Bookshop at 7 o'clock. Also be in uh, Raleigh on February 6th at Quail Ridge Books at 7 and uh, we'll be doing a series of interviews on different real radio stations, terrestrial radio, old-fashioned, here at once and gone forever style radio. Uh, if uh, your local station wants to chat about Lincoln, have them give me a call. I'll be happy to do that with them as well. Well, let's say a word, uh, speaking of terrestrial radio and the different forms of radio communication, uh, Donations to Civil War Talk Radio, as always, are welcome. Uh, you can send them to civilwartr at aol.com using PayPal if you have that uh, very uh, useful service. Uh, or uh, directly to me if, if you wish. Uh, you can be resourceful and find my work address on the website. Uh, this may come into play in a bigger way as the uh, show moves here into, I guess it's fourth year now. Uh, it has been a very uh, successful show, I think, intellectually in terms of the quality of people who have consented to be on the show. I've, I've enjoyed the education I get each week talking to our uh, uh, interview subjects and reading the books they've produced. It, it has been uh, a real education for me and something I hope to continue indefinitely into the future. There are changes. Uh, World Talk Radio, a few years, uh, a few months ago, maybe a year ago now, was bought out by another company, Motivox, and World Talk Radio's very pleasing and visual and user-friendly website uh, was transformed into the current one. Uh, last week, another change happened. The archives seemed to be moved into a different format. I couldn't find things. I don't know what's up with that. But it does, uh, there is also a possibility now that Motivox will uh, uh, decide to abrogate the long-running agreement I have with Civil War Talk, uh, with World Talk Radio, uh, doing the show as a partnership, and start requesting uh, large amounts of money from me to them for the privilege of working for them. And needless to say, uh, on a state employee salary, that's not something I can afford. So there may be another format. Uh, maybe we'll work out a new partnership agreement here, which would be great, and stay in this uh, web location. If not, uh, perhaps there will be a new podcast home for Civil War Talk Radio. Stay tuned for all these things. Keep listening to the shows on Friday. Uh, if they disappear unexpectedly, Google Civil War Talk Radio or 
my name. I'll put something on my university website, and we'll find a new home and keep things going if the old one, for whatever reason, doesn't doesn't uh, stay in place, which I hope it will. There would be pros and cons of doing this uh, either way, but uh, we'll just have to see. In the meantime, uh, I want to move on. Uh, I do want to... Uh, thank all the listeners who responded last week I pointed out my own personal archives were missing a few shows and I want to thank those of you who responded very generously with offers to uh, send them or burn discs with the, the missing files and I appreciate the uh, loyal listenership uh, and their willingness to contribute and, and it's uh, it's quite humbling actually that people take the time to preserve the files of this show uh, so thank you for that well to business this week. Uh, the book in question, Did Lincoln Own Slaves, is my own book. Uh, if one doesn't talk about one's own book, who else will, I suppose? But I do think it's uh, of some interest, or I, I wouldn't have written it. And uh, without going into the uh, turning into a sort of a split personality where I actually interview myself, I, I thought I would say a few words about my own background for those who haven't heard perhaps some of the early shows. Uh, to give a sense of how how I came to this topic, which in many ways echoes that of, of so many of the people who've been on the show. If you go back to the 1960s, uh, I was born in 1958. Uh, many of us who grew up in the 60s, around the time of the Civil War centennial, uh, remember it being a bigger part of the culture. There were comic books, classic comics. Uh, there was... Uh, there, there were toy soldiers in the Sears catalog, the Marks Blue and Gray playset. There were especially the the, uh, the books, uh, and most of all the the centennial, uh, uh, the American Heritage history of the Civil War, the text by Bruce Catton, uh, wonderful photographs, and especially the great bird's eye view maps of battles drawn as if you were looking from a three-quarter view at miniature people running around the battlefield. Uh, I was entranced by those. I loved them. And I, I became interested in the war, uh, as, as many uh, other people were. But not too many other people my age. I was, was uh, in elementary school. What sealed the deal in my case uh, was a, a road trip. Our family went east from Michigan to visit friends in Washington, D.C., and coming back, I uh, decided to stop at Antietam. Uh, well, I didn't decide. I, I was 10 years old. I'm not driving the car or making the decisions. And uh, my parents decided to stop at the Civil War battlefield. They were not war, Civil War buffs, nor were my two brothers. But for whatever reason, we did. Uh, my brothers enjoyed it. They ran around, climbed on the cannons, and did the things that uh, boys do. But something just grabbed me about it. It was November. It was uh, not the time of year the battle was fought, and there were very few visitors there. Uh, it was a cold, sort of cloudy day, and it just seemed haunted. Uh, it was it, it was mystical. And when I got back, I could not wait to go to the library to find out more about what had happened there, what the other battles were like, what was going on in that war. And... That was the beginning of it. Uh, I stayed with that Civil War interest. Another landmark took place at another battlefield in Gettysburg a few years later. 
uh, visiting that in company with uh, with friends again from Washington, and we had the uh, privilege of having one of the park rangers accompany us on a tour. And that ranger took us around. Uh, we were with a group of families, and the parents were polite and listening, and the kids younger than I were running about and trying to climb on the cannons, which is not tolerated by the Park Service. And the ranger was giving his spiel about what was going on, doing his best to keep the semi-interested group entertained. But, of course, I was fascinated, and yet I could hardly bring up the nerve to say anything. Uh, I'm just a kid. Uh, this guy's got a uniform, uh, the, the Smoky Bear uniform. What, what can I do? But finally, I, I worked up the courage to say something about, uh, it might have been Ewell's night attack on July 2nd, or uh, I forgot what the details were, but, but the ranger looked and said, oh, we have a scholar here, I see. And he began talking to me about it. And the rest of the trip, I sort of hung out with him, and he and I just talked and had a merry old time. We discussed whether Sickles was a buffoon or a hero for moving Third Corps uh, ahead of the Union line on, on July 2nd without Meade's permission. We talked about the technology. We talked about command and control issues. It, it was just a wonderful time. And it made me aware for the first time that there are people like like us, like like you listening and me talking today, who are interested in this period of American history. Uh, I was not the only kid uh, with this interest. Adults who knew I was interested thought it was quaint and cute. Oh, that's the little boy. He knows all about the war. Uh, but to find an adult who also was interested all in the war and didn't treat it as a something cute or something to be condescended to or, or unusual, but, but shared the interest. And, of course, uh, there are hundreds of thousands of us, uh, millions perhaps around the, the world, who share this interest in, in all forms of history, but particularly in the American Civil War. And I was fortunate to run into someone at a formative moment who, who let me know that, that I was not alone. And that has been an experience I've tried to carry into my own teaching uh, here at East Carolina University, but more particularly at the Lincoln Museum in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I got to work with uh, uh, students and, and children. Uh, to shorten the rest of the story and get to the book, I studied history at the University of Michigan, got a uh, bachelor's in history, did not go into graduate school right away because there were no jobs, went to law school, uh, practiced law, didn't care for it much, and finally decided to follow my passion, went back to graduate school, uh, went to Harvard, had uh, the good fortune to uh, be associated there with David Herbert Donald as my dissertation advisor and uh, followed in his footsteps again studying the Civil War era and still no jobs available I believe this time it was the 1990s still nowhere to work as a historian until uh, one day a random seemingly random phone call came in from the Lincoln National Insurance Company in Fort Wayne which I was about to hang up on because in those pre-do-not-call days, uh, insurance salesmen could call your home uh, with impunity, and that's what I thought it was. But the person sounded a little too patient and uh, uh, serene and, 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 and to, to be an insurance salesman, so I waited another second, and it turned out I was being offered a chance to compete for a job at the Lincoln Museum, operated by the Lincoln National Insurance Company in Fort Wayne. 
things moved forward, uh, there's there are additional stories about the, the job competition, but we'll we'll save those for another day. Uh, but all worked out, and in the end, in 1993, I started working as the uh, so-called Lincoln Scholar at the Lincoln Museum. Well, this was. Uh, uh, really a great opportunity both in terms of uh, research, writing, public speaking, uh, exhibit design, uh, doing all kinds of things involving history. Uh, everything that, I'd, uh, that a historian might want to do except teach in a classroom, which was what historians are trained to do, what I'd expected I would do, and was the one thing I found I wasn't doing. But it was a great opportunity, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. And uh, was happy to spend nine years there doing all those things. But the lure of the classroom was still there in 2003. I left the Lincoln Museum and came here to East Carolina University, where I've been teaching uh, American history and public history, the uh, the practice of history outside of the, the classroom ever since. That brings us, at long last, to the book in those years at the Lincoln Museum, people ask questions. That's what museum visitors do. I did get to do a sort of pseudo-classroom experience in training the museum docents, the volunteers who guided visitors through the museum, and spent a lot of time working with them to uh, give them the kind of background they would need to be able to answer questions about Lincoln, about the Civil War, uh, and most of all, training them to say, I don't know when they didn't know an answer. It's one of the distinguishing marks I find between uh, professional historians and those who, who are sort of amateur experts that the, the latter are, are loath to admit they don't know anything, whereas the former frequently will recognize the boundaries of their knowledge and say, oh, I don't know that, uh, but I know where to find it, and, and then they go and do so. So I was busy training people to say, I don't know, and uh, and where to find things. And hearing the questions that the public asked the docents, or if I went out myself uh, into the galleries, hearing people ask these questions directly, there are all kinds of questions. Uh, some of them uh, straightforward, factual questions you can answer easily. Uh, what was Lincoln's middle name? Uh, well, he didn't have one. Uh, how tall was Lincoln, uh, when was he born, what state did he live in, that sort of thing. Uh, not hard to answer. Uh, some of the questions were uh, uh, goofy. Um, uh, well, one of the, the classic, uh, is it true that Lincoln was born, uh, is it true that Lincoln built with his own hands the log cabin he was born in? That's the question. Always like that one. Occasionally actually did hear it. Um, but often the questions were uh, were quite serious and, and uh, hypothetical type questions that would uh, take a while to answer or questions of political overtones. Uh, and these are the kind of things that, uh, that would often send me back to the office to go back to the volumes of Lincoln's collected works or back to uh, Mark Neely's wonderful Abraham Lincoln Encyclopedia, a great resource. Uh, or back to various other primary sources to try to find out the answers so that I could uh, in some way give 
uh, reasonable answers to all these questions. And after nine years of doing that, I, I was just full of answers and tried to uh, consolidate them, put them between covers, get them all at once and for all, and produce a book that would both answer these questions and uh, allow me to uh, to put some closure on my uh, relationship with, with Lincoln Questions. So that's what I did. Uh, the book comes out, uh, as I said uh, earlier, January 22nd, 2008, uh, Did Lincoln Own Slaves? What I'll do is uh, take a short break, catch my own breath, come back in a minute, and answer some of those questions. In the meantime, if you have questions, uh, you can't call me on the phone because I'm, I'm using it to talk to you right now, but you can email if you have a question, and if I get it by the end of the show, I'll happily answer it on the show for you. The address is my last name and first initial at ecu.edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P. O W I C Z G at ecu.edu. So if you have a question, email it in. If not, I will share some of the questions uh, that I've heard over the last nine years and, uh, and my answers to them. That's what we'll, we'll do in just a moment here on Civil War Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. 